You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome in. Late Kick is live. It is Thursday, January 12th, the year of our Lord, 2023. You know, the good thing about going to the national championship game and being around the people you're around for that extended period of time is you get a lot of intel. You get a lot of information. And trust me when I tell you, there is more going on behind the scenes in this sport right now than you could possibly imagine. A lot of it, scratch that, some of that we're going to talk about on the show tonight. A lot of that we're going to be have, having the freedom eventually to talk about over the next few months. There is no offseason. There is not. Do not go away just because they tell you the season ended Monday night. We're jam-packed. We are high atop a buzzing downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Why is downtown Nashville, Tennessee buzzing? Well, number one, storms already moved through. Number two, everybody's checking their uh, eye, whatever their names are, and seeing all this breaking news all across college football. We're going to talk about it all tonight. Dabo's making new hires. Uh, we've got updates on the Jim Harbaugh front with Michigan. We've got a ton of NIL drama, unnecessarily, but drama nonetheless, down in Gainesville. I'm going to ask you, what is a dynasty? Some people are telling me they've got one at Georgia. I don't even know what one is yet, but we're going to figure that out together tonight. All that plus, do you remember a few years ago when people told you parody is dead? Put it on, put, put it on the gravestone. Fill in the blanks there from what date to what date, but it's, it's gone. No more parody in the sport. A lot of parody around here all of a sudden. A lot of oxygen in Tier 1 of college football all of a sudden. We are so loaded. They're watching us in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Minamone Falls, Wisconsin. I have to say those very slowly. And Rainsville, Alabama. No offseason mode is fully engaged now. For those of you who are new around here, we don't even use the term. So when you hear me whisper it, it's not an audio malfunction. It's just that it's, it's, it's kind of like profanity around here. We, we just add the word off-season to the other list of words you cannot say. We're not going anywhere. And trust me when I tell you August gets here a lot quicker if you just never stop doing shows. We're not going to stop. So stick with us and subscribe while you're here. Let's get into the show tonight. We're going so many different directions. I, like I said, I've got a lot of breaking news. I've got Jesse and Bradley in here just perusing Twitter and checking, sourcing, making sure we don't miss something while we're live because given the way the day is going, there's a half-decent chance we may. So let's dive in. Question, what is a dynasty? And then after you answer that to yourself, answer me this. Is Georgia a dynasty? Do they have one right now? I heard that word being thrown around pretty flippantly this week. That's not flippant. I guess people thought it through. I just question what a dynasty is. And I look at what's happening at Georgia right now. 
There's no one in the world more impressed by this than myself. However, the word dynasty did not immediately come to my mind when we were doing post-game coverage there on the field in Inglewood. Yeah, that's where we were Monday night. I think it's an extremely dominant stretch. I've always thought of the word dynasty apparently a little bit different than other people do. So I felt it necessary because I keep having this thrown at me to dive into this for just a second tonight. I am not there is the reason. And I think I'm in the minority. I think I am. We're going to find out if I am as the show goes on and the comment section proliferates. Here's the way I've always thought about this. If everything were to stop for you today, so let's say Georgia never even makes a bowl game again and they fire Kirby three years from now, extremely likely, obviously. But let's say it would just all come crashing to a halt. And this was the end of his success at Georgia. If we fast forward 20 years from now, would you look back and talk about a Georgia dynasty? Or would you look back and say they won a couple of titles in the early 2020s and that's how you talk about Georgia? Because I think the latter is true. I don't think it's the former. I think if it were to all stop now, it's a great run, but that's what I think people would look at it as. A run that got capped in the latter stages with a couple of championships, I don't think they would call it a dynasty. So anyway, I'm not saying they're not well on their way to one. I just, that's where my mind is. I don't think that they're in dynasty territory yet, only because it should be extremely rare or rarefied air, I guess. And I asked Jesse, hey, what do you think a dynasty is when you're putting your graphics package together today? What do you think? Well, we've had several teams win back-to-back championships. If you're not watching on YouTube, you just saw a list of them. So Several programs have won back-to-back titles. I don't think that we would have looked up and down that list and said, all right, every one of those is a dynasty. So then obviously it takes more than just winning back-to-back titles, which is already in and of itself extremely difficult. Then what do we need? You would probably argue, well, even if you're winning back-to-back titles, it also needs to be contained within an extended run of success. Now that they've had, that they have had. And if that's your only definition, an extended run of pretty good success and then winning a couple of titles, which is fair, then I would get it. Uh, By the way, Jesse, do we have those two tweets? You're looking at Kirby. You're looking at what he's done right now. Uh, Since 2017, with the exception of the COVID year, which is thrown out for obvious reasons, it's a double-digit win or better season every year. The one thing that had been sort of the albatross around their ankle, so to speak, was, well, they're 0-4 against Nick Saban. Well, then they beat Alabama in the title game last year. They didn't play them this year. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. So we had a couple, actually, we had several hundred tweets in response to this today, but I wanted to show a couple of them. These were some of your takes. Uh, Bobby said, dynasty equals three national championships in a five-year span. I don't necessarily think I would make it that lofty. And I'm sitting here telling you, I think it needs to be really lofty because USC didn't do that. And when I think of USC briefly, I think of a little, maybe a a mini dynasty, somewhere between an impressive run and a dynasty. They didn't do that. The whole three championships thing, I don't think you need to, at least in my mind, hit a certain number of championships, like the College Football Hall of Fame. You got to be a 60% winner if you're a head coach. I'm not quite there. Uh, Another one here, a period of sustained success that spans more than one iteration of a core team. That is an interesting concept. That means, basically, you can't just have one complete all-star squad that you recruit and you develop and then they win you multiple titles, but outside of that, you never really did anything because that's a great team, but that's not a dynasty. That was an interesting way to phrase that. Here's the interesting part. 
Uh, there was not a core group that just did this for Georgia. You're hearing a lot about Stetson Bennett because he was the starting quarterback eventually on these last two teams, the two teams that won championships. And if that's the way you remember these teams, that's totally fair and that's understandable. But I remember April. I remember the NFL draft. I remember 15 guys leaving last year's team that didn't play a down this year. So core group. I mean, where do we draw the line? Are there a certain number of players you have to retain from one team to another team? So as you can see, this is very subjective. It's very arbitrary. Here's where my head's at on this. It really comes down to how I remember you, which is kind of unfair, you know, because Georgia's accomplished what many would say already in this last few years stretch what USC under Pete Carroll accomplished. And in some ways, I understand that. Two championships to two championships, uh, several really, really good seasons. You go back to that USC run. Now, granted, that's in my sort of childhood, adolescence, middle school, high school era. So I'm watching that, and it's having a very, very big impact on me. So obviously, I romanticize the USC teams, and I remember them a little bit differently. But they had seven straight 11-plus win seasons under Pete Carroll at one point. They had four Rose Bowl wins, two Orange Bowl wins. They had two national championships. They played that classic game against Texas in 05, where... It's, it's coin flip, and that's the way that game came down. Oh, I miss Keith Jackson so much. But that's the way that game ended, and um, I remember that as a dynasty. They didn't win three titles. Am I supposed to exclude them because of that? I don't know. I remember them as a dynasty. I remember Miami as a dynasty. So there was this other school of thought out there that you have to have a sustained run, and you can't have any down year. You can't have a dud season in there. Well, here's the thing with Miami. In the, in the 83 to 91 time frame, they had three different coaches. You're on the tail end of Snellenberger, then you have Jimmy Johnson come in, and then you have Dennis Erickson come in. And Jesse, I think we were looking earlier today, the first year under Jimmy Johnson, I think they were like an eight-win team, which is not, it's not dynasty material. I then made the executive decision, at least on our little grease board in the office, we're going to allow you to have one down season, especially if you're transitioning coaches, and you're not transitioning most of the time because they're being fired. Like Jimmy Johnson, he goes on to the NFL. It's not because he flamed out or anything like that. So I don't know, obviously subjective, but Georgia, if they're not there, well on their way, I asked producer Jesse, obviously, do you think they're in dynasty mode yet? He said, I don't think they're quite there yet, but they're close. And I asked Jesse, how do you know when they're going to be there? And he said, actually, I got up and I went and got something to drink. And when I came back in, he had those wide saucer eyes that producer Jesse only has when he has come up with a really good metaphor, the fuel on which this show operates, in other words. And he said, you know what Georgia is? Georgia is the bank robber. Follow me here. Georgia is the bank robber who made it past security. They got in the bank. They successfully subdued everyone. They got to the register. They had the teller open it up. Didn't have to get violent. Actually, Georgia got extremely violent Monday night, but you get where I'm going with this. They got all the cash in a sack. They're on their way out, but there's one final layer of security because you know good and well that guy at the front door is called reinforcements. They got to get past that last line. Jesse says they're almost there. Jesse says they're, they're, they're very close. They can see it. They can see the light on the other side of the door. 
And so I said, that's wonderful, Jesse. You got to land it for me, okay? You got the wings on the metaphor. Where's the landing gear? He said, well, they got to beat Nick Saban again. That's what they have to do. They were 0-4 against him. Now they're 1-4. And and a Detroit Lions fan being the case, he said, if they don't lose JMO last year, Georgia doesn't beat Alabama. His words, not mine. So at him, don't at me. And I said, that's fair. That's fair. Because, you know, Jesse's of the Ric Flair school of thought. To be the man, you got to beat the man. I guess multiple times. So Georgia teetering on the precipice of dynasty territory. If they win next year, if they, if they win a third straight, well, really, even now it doesn't matter. But then especially it wouldn't matter regardless of what people say. So I will be more than a bit interested to see what the comments section says about this. We had a good day with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every day is a good day with Academy Sports and Outdoors. What am I talking about? But had some good conversations with them, just kind of mapping out our 2023. So that news is down the road a little ways. Fortunately for you, in the meantime, all their stores are open. They're ready for business. I, I very thoroughly enjoyed you guys sending me pictures of being in the Academy Sports and Outdoors around Christmas time and looking at the long lines. Uh, that's a blessing. That's, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And those of you who couldn't stand to stand in line, you just went to academy.com. I tell you every time, but I always know that we have several thousand new listeners or viewers any given show. And so for the first time, you may be hearing me talk about Academy. Why are they on these big, bright blue monitors behind me? Why am I randomly talking about them 12 minutes into the show? Well, they are our presenting sponsor, and they're the only sponsor you see on the show. And you're watching the show free, and it's all because they stepped up about this time last year in a maximum capacity to be the presenting sponsor for this show. And um, if you're new, you probably don't know this. I mean, once upon a time, we were doing this show on an iPhone in what essentially equates to a broom closet down in Columbus, Georgia at WLTZ, which has since become a defunct station. Great memories, though. But it was the number three station in the number 124 market. So we were a little bit off the radar, to say the least. And just a few years later to know that we have a brand like Academy that has our backs and a company like CBS and 24-7 that have our backs. It means a lot, especially when you're like us and you've been without those sorts of resources. So in exchange, I just humbly ask if you've got some purchases to make, if you've got some outdoor sporting goods type products to buy, Academy Sports and Outdoors is the place. And if there's not one near you, academy.com is the place to go. I've got good news for everyone tonight. Colin, that's actually a good end point. I'm going to say it again for you. Okay. I got good news for everyone. Today, tonight, whenever you may be watching, college football's wide open. Used to be that we were on a quest for parity in this sport. I say that mockingly because we never participated in this nonsense per se, but there was a fair amount of talk out there that parity was dead. You're never, if you're, if you're not already in the exclusive Tier 1 club, you're never going to get there. Do you remember this? Not too long ago. It would have been the mid to latter portion of the 20-teens. If you're not Alabama, you're not Clemson, you're not Ohio State, if you're not one of the select few that have just detached themselves and they're just pulling away from the rest of the sport, if you're not in that club, you're never going to be in that club. The quest for parity. The quest that never was, never should have been, never needed to be. We'll never see a G5 team in the playoff. We'll never see a Cinderella team make the playoff. It's just the same four teams every year. Uh, none of that was ever true, by the way. Now, Cincy has already disproven that. TCU just played for a national championship. They've disproven that. 
we are now like nine years into the playoff. There's only been one year, one year where we had no new participants in the playoff field. There have been zero, zero, count them. Doesn't take long, zero years where the same four teams have made the playoff twice. It's never happened. Yet they were telling you it was happening every day. So why am I, why am I saying these things to you? Well, because for a while, even I had to admit, there wasn't a whole lot of oxygen in the tier one room. The tier one room just means the room where the favorites hang out. Your Bamas, your Clemsons, etc. Back in the 20 teens, that's where they were hanging out. They played four years in a row at one point. So yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of oxygen there. It did not feel when we were entering those seasons like many teams out there had a shot to win a championship. And it may still feel that way to you, even entering these seasons the past couple of years. But the thing about it is these seasons have not remotely played out the way most people thought. If you could go find me someone who accurately predicted the playoff field the last two years, either of them, I don't care. Pick one. They got a chalice of supremacy coming their way. I don't know any TCU fans that predicted themselves to go to the playoff, much less getting the other three spots right. So nobody has a stranglehold on any conference is what I'm trying to tell you. Think this through with me for just a second. There are favorites preseason, obviously. There are hierarchies in these conferences, obviously. But you want parity? Answer me this question. Who's got a stranglehold on a conference right now? The, the only two repeat conference champs we just had were Utah and Michigan. Not even Georgia was a repeat conference champ. They've got back-to-back -back national titles and don't even have back-to-back -back SEC titles. Michigan and Utah are the only consecutive conference champs in America right now at the Power Five level. Neither one of them would be considered an elite recruiter. Neither one of them will be the odds-on favorite going into this following season in their own conferences. And neither one of them have won a playoff game. There is no one outside of the University of Georgia playing dominant, extended dominant football right now. I mean the kind that makes you completely lose hope. The way that it looked in Tuscaloosa and Clemson for a little while. And so... Then I get to look ahead a little bit because we did just have the national championship game the other night. I do get to look ahead to 2023 as people start talking about parity inevitably. And I ask anyone who claims there is not parity, give me your slam dunk college football playoff team this upcoming year. The kind of team that you'd be willing to bet an uncomfortable amount of money on making the field. Outside of Georgia, which is partially due to schedule, I don't see one. I don't say that disrespectfully to Georgia. Georgia's going to have a really good team this upcoming year. I'm just saying, if you look at the schedule for Georgia, it's an abomination. Not really their fault. The conference took away a game against Oklahoma. Yeah, let me say that again. Georgia had Oklahoma on the schedule. Georgia does not have Oklahoma on the schedule now. They got UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, Georgia Tech. That's their, that's their fourth out-of-conference game. Florida's neutral site, as it is every year. They go to Tennessee. They got Ole Miss and at Tennessee. That's a two-game stretch in November. So if you want to look at Georgia and say, I don't even care whether they're a shell of themselves from this year to next year. I still think they're going to make the playoff based on that schedule. Okay, I'll even grant you that. What about the other three spots? You got any more slam dunks for me? Like, I don't think Georgia's a slam dunk. I would bet on them. But I don't think they're a slam dunk. But even if they are, is Bama a slam dunk? Do you even know who the coordinators are going to be? Do you know who the quarterback's going to be? No, you do not. Ohio State, ditto. Slam dunk. Are they even going to beat Michigan? 
um, out in the Pac-12. Is Utah going to run it back? If they do, they're going to have to defy odds. And even this past season, they lost several games along the way. USC has not shown the slightest inclination to make me believe they can be consistent enough defensively to be feared yet. Oregon's still putting it together. Washington, year one to year two, love what they have. But, but where am I supposed to have fear struck in my heart in these conferences? Same thing can be said for the Big 12. Texas and OU have not gotten their act together to the point where it sucks any of the oxygen out of the conference room there. In the ACC, Clemson made some moves today. I'm going to talk about that later in the show. But Clemson's been wobbly. There's a lot of hope reinserted into the picture there, just like there may be at Alabama. My point is... It doesn't feel so helpless anymore, does it? And while you just watch TCU do what they did this past season, while you watch Cincinnati and Michigan do what they did last season, and Michigan did it twice, I would suggest to you we're still in a window. I don't know how long this window is going to last, but we're still smack dab in the middle of a window that is ripe for playoff surprises. And this time last year, we did a, a fun little exercise earlier today where you know we were kind of looking at who may be in the playoff that comes out of nowhere. Well, this, this upcoming season, you could just have random out-of-nowhere teams. You could have, like, Washington make the playoff. You could have Texas A&M, I grant you, would be a monumental turnaround in one season, but they've got the raw talent there. That's a prerequisite. You're going to have to have players. Now, they may be a six-win team, again, for all I know, but I'm saying we're in an environment that is, that is very ripe for this to happen. Florida State? It wouldn't come out of nowhere for people who have been paying attention, but I think to the national casual public, Florida State would appear to come out of nowhere. The 2023 ACC title odds, by the way, I did not know this until just now when it popped on the screen. I had not checked this. CFP odds for 2023. Okay, well, I'm just going to assume that the ACC odds look kind of similar to this. Clemson and Florida State have the same playoff odds. Stats and Info has broken news to me. I did not know this. Plus 1,800. Uh, those are college football playoff title odds from Caesars right now when it comes to ACC teams. And for the record, no one else is close. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ground to be gained right now pretty rapidly, whereas once upon a time, not too long ago, it looked like it was a lost cause. It was never a lost cause because the sport never stands still and just lets a couple of programs pull off in the distance. Everyone's fighting to beat them. You got, you, got a, you got the crosshairs on your forehead, and everyone is meeting in the spring and summer, and everyone's scheming, and everyone's recruiting, and everyone's making staff changes, and they're all coming after you, and there's some pretty good minds out there working on such things. It's like watching the figure skater, and, and they, they twirl. I, trust me, I don't, know, I don't know all the terminology here, but it's really hard to spin as fast as they do for as long as they do because just, just the slightest little imperfection in the ice, just the slightest little lack of an elbow tuck, it spells disaster. And when you're operating at an extremely high level in sports, it's not feet, it's not yards, it's just micro inches that could spell the difference between you running off a string like George is in the middle of right now and doing what LSU did in one year and then completely crumbling. It's that easy. And therefore, on the other side, it's that hard. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hard to Harbaugh. That's what I want to talk about next. And let me just make sure of one thing here because I don't want... Okay, no. I had it wrong. I know, I know what you're about to yell at me about in there. Also, yeah, well... Some, sometimes I go in the wrong order and then Colin has to catch up. But luckily, new year, new me. I caught it ahead of time. We have some drama in Gainesville, Florida that I need to talk to you about. It's NIL related. It is related to quarterback Jaden Rashada. Those of you who follow recruiting know that he was committed to Miami. Then he decommitted from Miami. Then he committed to Florida. And then signing day happened, and you probably, if you didn't follow it past then, just think he's enrolled at Florida, and he's about to challenge for the starting job in spring, and hold on just a second, because none of that has happened. None of it has panned out. He has not enrolled there, because it's still up in the air. A lot of folks angry about this, and you know what? If you're a Florida fan, you should be angry. I just want to make sure you're angry at the right folks. So... This is what Meemaw would call a classic NIL conundrum. She saw many of them in her day. As this has started to unfold, and it really kind of became a story while we were out in L.A. for the title game. So it wasn't on the front burner, but I had one eye on it. It was kind of on the back burner. And it's bubbled and bubbled and bubbled, and now it's on the surface and everyone's talking about it. I've seen a lot of reactions to this. Okay, I've told you what the facts are so far. Jaden Rashada, he was committed to Florida. He is not signed and therefore enrolled there quite yet. They have very, very rapidly got a a drop dead date coming up Friday. I've been told the school could probably fudge it to the next Monday, but either way, that's either 24 or 48, 72, 96 hours away. They got to get a resolution really quick. And as you could imagine, yes, this is absolutely related to NIL. Stop for just a second. For those of you who are sort of agnostic, you're not big Florida fans, you haven't followed the day-to-day, minute-to-minute here, you may have already suspected that, right? It's a big-time quarterback prospect. He, uh, he flipped in his recruitment, and so you, if you didn't know any better, you may look at this and you may say, oh, great, I knew it. I had a bunch of people say that over the past few days to me. Oh, I knew it. These NIL kids, priorities are out of whack. I knew it. Well, what did you know is what my response has been. I kind of know the details on this. I've got someone really close to this situation. As a result, I'm going to keep my mouth shut on a lot of this story, and I will tell you the whole story once we have finality one way or the other. A lot of the reporting out there has been just blatantly falsified on this, but there are places you can go. 
where they've got it pretty well nailed down. I think our folks over at Swamp 24-7 are doing a great job on this. And I'm not biased at all, obviously, aside from working for the same company they do. Here, oh, look at that, the Marriott Penwag. That could be a thing in 2023. Um, this hitting on Jaden Rashada. For the record, it's not on Billy Napier either. So, yes, it is NIL-related. And yes, there is there's money that's at the forefront of this. It's just not necessarily the way you think. See, if you didn't know any better, you may think, oh, this kid's holding the school hostage. He decided at the 11th hour, great-grandmother wanted a new bedroom added onto her house. No, that's not what's going on. But what is going on is there is some discrepancy here financially. I can tell you that. I know that's rumored. I'll tell you. Yeah, it's true. But I want to ask you this. For anyone who says, this is a selfish kid, shame on this kid, focused on all the wrong things. Um, if, if I hired you to paint my house and we agreed upon a price and then all of a sudden the money didn't arrive and you got upset, are you selfish? Or, or is, your, is your head in the wrong place? Because that's pretty much what's happened here. There, there was an agreed upon arrangement. And when it came time for that direct deposit to hit, it didn't hit. And all of a sudden, one party in that two-party agreement says, well, wait a second. If you're not fulfilling your end of this deal, why in the world am I going to go down there and enroll? And it's not that he's looking for a way out. Quite the opposite. That kid wants to be a Florida Gator. His family wants him to be a Florida Gator. The Florida Gators have to do what the Florida Gators promised to do. And so I want to take you back now to June because there's a lot of anger around this. If you're a Florida fan, you're looking at what you hoped would be the future franchise quarterback for your program. If you're a Miami fan, you love it. If you're a Florida State fan or a Georgia fan, you love it. But if you're a Florida fan, you're just angry right now. Some folks have been angry at Billy Napier today. You shouldn't be. Some folks have been angry at Jaden Rashada. He's not doing anything you and I wouldn't do if we were in the same position. You shouldn't be mad at him. I took a ton of heat back in June because I went on air and I said, Florida is not good enough where they need to be, infrastructure-wise, NIL-wise, uh, support-wise. It's hard enough to win in this league and in this sport when you do have support. It's going to be impossible to compete heads up with head coaches who do have the support when you don't have the support. And I, I'm going to play the sound for you in just a second, but I said it, and I'm about to play it for you, and I took a good amount of heat when I said this. Play it, Colin. This is major college football. He knows it. You know it. Everyone knows it. You can evaluate all you want to. You can develop all you want to. It is a talent acquisition business. And if you're not putting your coaching staff in the best position to go out and acquire talent, then you can either do one of two things. You can either recalibrate your expectation level and lower it and say, good solid seven win season. That's what we want, Billy. Or you can give him the resources he needs to go out and compete. And right now, he's never going to come out publicly and say it. I don't think he's operating on a level playing field with some of the other staffs you're asking him to compete against. I don't think he's operating on a level playing field as Georgia. I don't think he's operating on a level playing field as Miami. And that's got to change. Or else you better get comfortable finishing second and third and watching a lot of these recruiting battles turn at the last minute. You know how frustrating that is? You know, now, if you're a fan, you know how frustrating it is. Imagine being that guy right there. Imagine having your face attached to all this. Florida recruiting really picked up in the days and weeks following that soundbite, which led me to believe the situation had been rectified. It led me to believe the proper parties had gotten their collective act in gear 
and we were good. We were good to go. And I said as much. I, I followed up with that a few times on this show. I talked to, it felt, felt like a million Florida fans. I talked to a lot of Florida fans. They said, hey, what do you think now? What do you say now? Well, I say that I'm glad you appear to have rectified the situation. Well, did they? Did they rectify the situation? Or did they do what you see a lot when it comes to pledging versus spending? See, pledging money is not spending money. Pledging money is what you do when you get really excited at 1.30 in the morning and you're watching an infomercial or a telethon. Oh, that's different than spending the money. And it almost feels to me like a lot of people understood, uh-oh, we're a little behind the eight ball here. We need to pledge money. And then what does the Florida coaching staff do? Well, they look at pledged money and they say, well, we can use this. Of course, this is not how it really happens in college football. But in reality, they say, well, we can use this then. Or at the very least, the collective said, we could use this. And we could go after players like Jaden Rashada. And we could guarantee him this kind of money. Problem is, pledges did not become actual donations. And I don't know that they've got the money that's necessary to pay the kid. I don't know that they have that. And as a result, the kid's doing exactly what you and I would do if we were in his position. Anyone would do that. You've been, you've been promised something in written form, mind you, and they can't deliver. Well, what in the world is he supposed to do? That's not selfish. That's common sense. And I go right back to what we were talking about in June. Billy Napier has a big enough struggle. He's got a big enough task in front of him just competing as a head coach. Like, there were several inadequacies on the field this past year that have nothing to do with NIL, okay? So that's already a huge, huge part of the equation. But if you don't take care of things on the other end, if he's not backed up, if that coaching staff is not equipped financially the same way that other coaching staffs are when they're recruiting, if your collective is not competitive with the programs that you're trying to compete against, well, you're not going to compete against those programs. So like I said in the video, and like I'll reiterate, you can, you can either do one of two things. You can either recalibrate your expectations and decide you're going to be a mid-tier program, or you can step up. And the thing that's been told to me by some folks around Florida is we just flat out have some deep-pocketed boosters, if you want to call them that, but we got some folks around the Florida program who apparently think it's just a little bit beneath them to be going out and buying players. And if that's the way you think, it's your money. I'm not here to tell you how you should spend your money unless you're telling me you want a top-level football program, in which case I am telling you, you've got to spend money. You've got to buy football players. That's what you have to do. Now, if your pushback is, oh, I just, I don't, I don't like the sound of that. I ask you, were you not always buying football players? I don't mean in the illegal manner, even. I, I don't mean in the $100 handshake manner. I don't mean in dropping bags anonymously. I mean, when you used to write those checks for facility enhancements and upgrades, what did you think you were signing that check for? Did you really care about how pretty that building was? Or did you think it was going to be more attractive to prospective student athletes who would then commit to Florida and play for your team. You were buying the player. It's just now the transaction is more direct. It's the same thing. In other words, if that collective really wants to get things in gear, just tell them, we're going to earmark this for upgrades to the program. And that can translate to transactions with kids. But who in the world that used to write checks for those sorts of things is all of a sudden turning their nose up at writing the same kind of check just to directly go to a player. Again, it's your money. It's your money. You worked hard for it, I would guess. But 
you got to make a decision because they're making those decisions at other programs. They are, and they've decided it's not beneath them to go and assist in the paying of players. So it, I don't think it's a difficult decision, but it sounds like it may be more difficult than I once thought it would be. This has got to be straightened out. This is a disaster if they lose him. They got to hold on to him. And then they've, they've not just got to hold on to him, but they've got to reach some decisions down there operationally about how they're going to run their program. That, that's really what's got to happen. And if it's not going to happen, Billy Napier's wasting his time down there. You can doubt all you want to whether he's going to be a quality coach. I'm telling you, if they don't have this apparatus in gear, it won't matter what kind of coach he is. It won't matter. So you know what you expect him to do and what you're asking him to do. Back him up. Do what you have to do to back him up. And then if he fails, he fails. But if that guy fails because you're skimping on what it takes to land top-tier athletes, he's not going to be the one I'm blaming when you fire him two years from now. Well, he won't be the only one I'm blaming. Now, I go back to the rundown here, and it is time to talk about this. Jim Harbaugh, as of 7.34 Central Time on Thursday, January 12th, is still the head coach at Michigan. How much longer? Maybe several years. Sounds like there's a little bit more groundswell of momentum around Jim Harbaugh staying at Michigan, but this is not resolved. I don't know that it's going to be resolved until, you know, maybe the NFL playoffs conclude. We've seen a lot of smoke around the Denver Broncos job. Rumor on the street, reportedly, is that he interviewed for the job electronically. Not in person, but electronically. But we have a tweet to show you. There is a new president at Michigan, and there's been a lot of consternation up there. Rarely do I use that word. There's been a lot of discussion about how much the administration is or isn't backing up Jim Harbaugh. Well, President Ono tweeted this out today. I'm pleased to share that I have been having very positive and constructive conversations with our athletic director and football coach. His name's Jim, by the way. New president, he may not know that. Uh, he continues, Ward Manuel, that's the AD, and I both want to see Jim Harbaugh stay, he does know his name, stay as the head coach at the University of Michigan. Do you? I take him at his word. Uh, President Ono and I have not had extended conversations on this, but I take him at his word. Okay, so why was that necessary? For those of you out there who, who aren't privy to the day-to-day -day inner workings of what has been happening, that may have just sounded like president speak, if you will. Whole lot of nothing. It was necessary. Because one of the growing fears around the Michigan fan base which was valid, I think, to be a fear at least, is that um, as they negotiate maybe a renegotiated, which is what you negotiate most times, something that's renegotiated, one of the biggest fears around the Michigan program is they're not committed long-term to Jim Harbaugh until this whole NCAA mess clears up. And I do mean mess. I laughed, laughed out loud when I read the allegations that had been presented. Like I, This is why I can't run an athletic department I'd just go rogue. I'd just slam the door in the NCAA's face. I'd just say, I dare you to do something to me. We had too many assistant coaches on the field. Something we spoke about on this show two weeks ago, by the way. Really? Did we? R really? Did we buy some kids dinner when we weren't supposed to? I don't even care if my head coach lied about it, which is what he's accused of doing, which is a level one violation, by the way. I cannot be an AD because I would, in no uncertain terms, tell the NCAA, what I thought about that. Me knowing full well what other programs are doing 
and you're coming at me with that. Anyway, that's beside the point. So there's been a fear around Michigan that since that investigation is ongoing and it won't be concluded for several weeks, the university, whether it be the AD or the president, was not going to commit to a new contract with Jim Harbaugh until it was too late. Because if you've got Denver on line one, and then you got Jim Harbaugh looking back at the university saying, are, are you going to counter this? And the university saying, not till this investigation's done. Well, it won't matter because he'll be gone by the time the investigation's done. You get where we've been now? Okay, so that brings you up to speed. My lean on this, given that statement from the president today, and Jim Harbaugh issued sort of a follow-up statement. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for your commitment, which is essentially saying, all right, give me what I want. I think he's going to stay at Michigan. It's just my lean. I have no information on the NFL side of this. I know a lot of people are reporting a lot of things. I don't, I don't know what to believe over there. It sounds for the moment like it's Denver or nothing in the NFL. That's what it sounds like to me. I could be wrong there. But what does it take? It takes a couple of things. It's not just is Jim Harbaugh interested in going to the NFL. It also takes an offer. He doesn't have that yet. That was the great unknown that I've spoken about for like a month. You can, you can hear a lot of smoke. You can hear a lot of rumblings. Sometimes that's just a guy's agent working the market. It happens, it happens to me all the time. I have agents reach out to me frequently, multiple times a week. I appreciate them, love the guys. I talk to them all the time, but I know when they want me to say things on air. Sometimes I do it because I think it's valid. Most of the time I don't because I understand they're, they're tr in, in a meteorological term, they're trying to do what we would call moisten the column. Immunity. That's what they're trying to do. Well, you can moisten your column somewhere else. It won't always happen on this program. I think that may be what's happening right now from Jim Harbaugh's side of things. And that's an agent just doing his job. But yeah, you've heard a lot of Jim Harbaugh NFL. How many offers does he have on the table? That's the question. How many offers will he have on the table? That'll be the question. If he doesn't, it's a moot point. But the Michigan side of this is what they control as a university. And how will that contract negotiation proceed? Because there's this other little caveat that's not so little that is thought to be a sticking point right now. And that sticking point is Michigan, understandably, does not want to go through this a third time. So if he does stay there, they want a massive buyout worked into his deal. They're willing to pay him more money. But the concession he's going to have to make is when he signs on the dotted line, he's agreeing to a huge buyout that would basically prevent any NFL franchise from coming after him in the near future. I think that's fair. That's fair on the university side. And if you don't think it's fair, you don't stay there as their head coach. But think about where this could lead Jim Harbaugh. It's all well and good. If you got a spot to land in the NFL, that's, that's all well and good. What if you don't? What if, what if none of those franchises offers you? their head coaching job, and Michigan does not back off the requirement for a large buyout to be put in your deal. And maybe ultimately you want to go to the NFL. It's just not happening this year. What do you do? Well, that is where the L word comes into the equation, leverage. And Jim Harbaugh would all of a sudden find himself without a whole lot of it. So it's, it's been thought for a while, oh, Harbaugh's got all the leverage. He'll make a decision whenever he's ready to. Okay, all right. Well, he's got to get an offer first or else all this is irrelevant and Michigan's going to dictate the terms more so than him because he's not going anywhere. He's not going to another college job, I don't think. And if he does, Michigan's fine, okay? Michigan's going to be really good next year and Michigan's set up for the long haul. 
and they'll be fine. I think Jim Harbaugh will be fine. I, I, 52 to 48, I think he's going to be the head coach at Michigan next year. But I think a lot of things. Those were a lot of guesses for you. Follow that contract renegotiation. That's the story at Michigan right now. They're watching us in Coffeyville, Kansas, Waycross, Georgia, and Nashville, Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it, as would producer Jesse and director Colin, because they got to eat tonight somehow if you would subscribe to the channel. A lot of you are watching right now. Go ahead and subscribe. It's free. There's, there's no hidden catch there. It's free. It just helps us. And like the video while you're here, because um, less than a quarter of you have done that right now who are watching live. I'm not trying to shame you, but I am trying to make you feel a little bit guilty. That thumbs up button, that's the like, by the way. That's all it takes. All right, we move on. Ooh. Did you feel the ground shake over in South Carolina today? Dabo Swinney realized the error of his ways in a big way. He made a move today, and he fired his offensive coordinator. Gasp! Dabo won't do that. He's too stubborn. Well, he did. And not just did he fire his offensive coordinator, Brandon Streeter. He's ready to make a new hire. And it's going to be one of the biggest bombshells that we see in this hiring cycle. Several reports indicate that as soon as tomorrow, we will see TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley headed to Clemson. It is hard for me to clearly enough overstate how big a hire this is. Just a, an absolute grand slam, perhaps even a five-run homer, if such a thing exists for Dabo Swinney. And let me tell you, it couldn't come soon enough. Because if you look at their offensive output, it fell off a cliff pretty quickly. 2018, let's just go back to the year they won the title with Trevor Lawrence. They skull drug Alabama out in Santa Clara. They scored 44.3 points per game that year. 2019, they went back to the title game again. They scored nearly 44 points a game. 2020, 43 and a half points a game. So they're very steady. 2021, 26.3 points per game. 2022, 33.2 points per game. Do you see where things changed? Can you tell where the coaching staff got shook up a little bit? Garrett Riley. Sounds like Jeff Scott's coming in again, maybe in an analyst role. Helps in recruiting a lot more than it does offense, by the way. But Garrett Riley helps on the offensive side. Slam dunk. So, I couldn't help but have a lot of you DM me today and say, hey, remember this soundbite? And truthfully, I had forgotten about it, which is one of the many reasons why we have the greatest audience on the face of the earth, because half of our show prep is done by you. We need to go back to December 1st, the year of our Lord, 2022. Dabo Swinney was predictably getting drugged because he would not admit that you were right about his program and he was wrong. A lot of people were saying he needed to make some new hires. He needed to get rid of guys. He needed to do this and that. And he essentially, I think it was on a coach's show, he said, hey, if, if, if y'all just want to overturn things, if y'all want to do this, maybe I'm not the right guy to be here. He got really defensive. He's a really prideful guy. And I heard some people say, oh, Dabo's, he's going to run himself out of Clemson. Look at him. He's so dug in. He's not going to make any changes. And I never believed that. I thought he would make changes. I just didn't think he'd give you the satisfaction of agreeing with you publicly. Colin, let's roll the footage. And especially after the season's over, they will self-scout, they'll self-evaluate, they'll do a healthy self-inventory, and there'll be a laundry list of things they want to change. But what he's not going to do, because it's not in him to do it, is stand there and let you bang on him. He's just, he's too prideful a guy. Could it be a flaw sometimes? Yeah, I guess it could. And so what I'm not going to do 
is allow myself to stand there and take it from you. And I'm not going to say, well, you're right. Well, you're right. Well, you're right. It's just not the way it's going to work. It, it wouldn't work that way with me at Pate State. It doesn't work that way with him at Clemson. But that doesn't mean you may not be right. That doesn't mean he may not see it the same way you do. That doesn't mean some of the changes that you and I and many other people think he needs to make, he doesn't agree with and may not be well on his way to trying to make. He's just not going to give you the satisfaction of publicly admitting it. That's a great point, Josh. I appreciate it. So back to live programming here. Everybody thought they were going to get Garrett Riley. Miami fans wanted him. Bama fans wanted him. Clemson folks are going to get him. Now, I don't know who did and didn't offer him, but I know Clemson did, and I know they're going to land him. By the way, we do have some reaction pouring in from places like Tuscaloosa. If you just want to take a look at this right quick, if you're listening on podcasts, they're handling it every bit as well as you would expect them to. Quote, not to be dramatic, but hearing Garrett Riley possibly to Clemson while we still have Bill O'Brien on payroll makes me want to take a bath with a toaster. Roll, tide, roll. Exactly how I would expect it. Now, for the record, our good, close, personal friend who is... Um, also, just one of the more annoying people on the planet, Tim Watts. Love to hate that guy. But uh, Timothy, I saw talking earlier today about this. He doesn't think that Bama was ever really in it for Garrett Riley. Uh, for the record, I never heard Bama in it for Garrett Riley. I blindly guessed on the show, hey, maybe they'll go after Garrett Riley. What I am still ultra confident in is Alabama's going to eventually hire an offensive coordinator not named Bill O'Brien, and I think it's going to happen pretty quickly. Well, pretty eminently. But it's not going to be Garrett Riley because he's going to Clemson. Now, the best coaches can do this stuff. The best coaches can assess and then realize where they made a mistake and then correct. And the best coaches, the best programs have the resources to really go and get pretty much whoever they want to. Dabo Swinney did that. So remember, you throw around the word stubborn all the time, setting his ways. I've, I've been in that camp. I've thought he's been slow to react. I thought these coordinator moves he made last year, especially the offensive coordinator move, thought he could have done a lot better. He disagreed at the time. Turns out, 1-0, JP versus Dabo. Now, he will end up blowing me out when we come to disagreeing on aspects of his program. Just so happened that some of us were right about this, and he was wrong. Credit him for realizing it. He put out a statement today, which I'm paraphrasing, said, I'm the leader of this program. I got to take responsibility. Uh, we're not doing good enough here. I got to make a move. It probably ate him up to do this. Ate him up. Dabo, you know Dabo Swinney. You've listened to him talk for a long time. That is a dude who believes in every move he makes, and he's got a me-against-the-world mentality. This is a guy who wakes up in the morning believing the world is out to get him just because the sun came up. So to have to acquiesce here, to have to cave and fire a guy who most people said he shouldn't have elevated to begin with, that wasn't easy. And he did it anyway. I know that sounds like the minimum requirement out there to run a program. I'm just telling you, knowing that guy from a distance, like I have observed, because that's the only way I could know him, I, I know that wasn't easy. So credit Dabo Swinney. They just made a big move. And <laughs> I know Christmas was like three weeks ago, but brother, Christmas is tomorrow for Kay Klubnick. Because if this thing gets finalized tomorrow, Kay Klubnick is the most blessed quarterback in the United States of America to get paired up with Garrett Riley. Now, how about we diversify that wide receiver room a little bit? That could be the next task. Bold prediction time. Bold predictions revisited. What did you believe in August? What would you have bet your money on? That in many cases, 
came crashing to the ground unceremoniously. Let's take a look at some of the bold predictions that were submitted to the show, shall we? Bold prediction number one. The earliest bold prediction you'll get on this fine third, blah, 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 blah. Okay, here's the prediction. Florida and Georgia, both undefeated when they face off in Jacksonville. Ooh, this is when we were headed to 100K, huh? Now we're at nearly 170,000 subs. Uh, I put an eight and a half on this. I thought it was very bold. I didn't doubt Georgia could do it. I thought there was no shot Florida was going to be undefeated. Florida was a three-loss team by the time they played Georgia. They had lost to, well, they lost uh, Tennessee. They lost to LSU, and they had lost to Kentucky, too. Now, they beat Utah in week one, miraculously beat Utah, so it looked like they were off to the races, and then Mark Stoops did them in the very next week. So that was an eight and a half. That one missed. Put the cash in the pot over here. Next up, this one didn't come close either. It was bold. I'll grant you that. I put a nine on this one. C.J. Stroud breaks Joe Burrow's records for touchdowns and yardage this season. Uh, C.J. Stroud didn't even break his records from the previous year. Now, fairly enough, you probably expected Jackson Smith and Jigba to be a part of the passing game, and he wasn't for pretty much the majority of the year. But C.J. Stroud had like 2,400 less passing yards than he had last year. Forget about Joe Burrow. Uh, C.J. Stroud had 19 less total touchdowns than he had the previous year. So he was well off the mark. The completion percentage dropped. You know, for the record... For anyone keeping track out there, I know that we just think it's an inevitability. C.J. Stroud still has not declared for the draft. That could change tomorrow, but he has not declared yet. Now, you know me. Even if there's a 1% chance that a great college football player stays in college football, I will always hold out hope, even against hope. So, you can call me ignorant. You can call me obtuse. What did you call me? I am hoping C.J. Stroud stays in college. Uh, because unlike years past, he can make like $5, $10 million next year staying in college. So it's not like you're, you're putting your body at risk for nothing. Yeah, uh, NIL has changed the game. Some major quarterback is going to stay in college and shock the world. Leinert did it back in the non-NIL days. Someone's going to do it. It could be you, CJ. Next up, uh, this one was kind of bold, but not the most bold prediction in the world. This was from, uh, not Ray, but Ray Lewis's burner on Twitter. The college football playoff will have two new entries to the Final Four this year. Close, close, but not quite. We got one, TCU. We came close to getting the second. How close did we come? Well, if USC beats Utah, there it is. If Tennessee does not get drugged unmercifully by South Carolina, in all likelihood, there it is. Either one of them would have done the trick here. If TCU also made it, obviously, butterfly effect. I never know. If I changed one thing about the past, how would it have changed everything else? Jesse, you seen Butterfly Effect, the movie? Ashton Kutcher in there? Amy Smart? Good movie. Makes you think. Um, I thought this was a seven on the boldness scale. So here's, okay, so here's the list. This is the list I was talking about earlier. Mind you, the prediction was we're going to have two new participants, Okay. So I had Jesse, uh, the day that we did this segment, I said, Jesse, go just put a list together of all the odds for teams that haven't ever made the playoff. In other words, if we get a party crasher, who would it be? And we had, and this is just in order of where Caesars had their preseason odds to make the playoff. We had A&M, USC, Utah, Wisconsin, Texas, Oak State, 
Baylor, Florida, Iowa, Pitt, Miami, Penn State. TCU is not even on the list. Tennessee is not even on the list. And those two, well, TCU made it. Tennessee was another one that almost made it. Only USC was in the group that almost made this happen and was actually listed, which just goes to show you kids, like Mimo always said, you can question predictions in August, but don't ever laugh at any predictions in August because the craziest things in the world sometimes come true. What would you have said to someone who had TCU penciled into their playoff bracket in August? Because it ended up coming true. To be right, and this is, this is the case any year, to accurately predict a college football season, as it turns out, you will have to say things in August that sound like they're from another planet. There is no football season that ever plays out where at least one or two crazy, inconceivable things in August end up happening. So there's that. Next up, this was a really bold one. Keegan said at least three Big Ten head coaches will get fired at the end of the year. I put a nine and a half on this. I did not think this was feasible, and it didn't happen. Now, I looked at one coach, Scott Frost, and I said I could easily see that happen, and he did get canned like a month into the season. He's gone. I thought that would probably be it. Paul Christ got fired at Wisconsin. I didn't even see that coming. I did not consider that a possibility. But outside of that, especially, I didn't think that there was any shot. Three of them were going to be fired. The key word there is fired. Uh, Jeff Brom moved on of his own volition. He didn't get fired. So I, I thought that was really bold. Three of them is really bold. And I put a nine and a half, and that one crashed and burned. Next up, this one hit. This was a really, really good call. Texas Tiger said, University of Washington, not only will they upset Michigan State, they'll go 9-3 and three, watching from Pittsburgh, Texas. Uh, they did you one better. Jesse, did they have 10 or 11 wins? Ele- yeah, 11 counting the bowl. So Washington was a 10-win team regular season, 11 wins counting the bowl, and they beat Michigan State straight up. The line was somewhere between 3 and 6. Spartans were favored, and, and it did not happen for them. Here's the thing uh, that made them a 10 and 11 win team, ultimately. Offensively, uh, they were a firecracker offense. Michael Penix had a phenomenal year, 4,600 passing yards, 35 total touchdowns. I knew that he was capable of doing big things if healthy. That was a big if, given his career. I didn't know that Kalen DeVore and the guys out there were going to have an offense like that this year. And they did. They finished top 10. Look at that number eight next to Washington, just so quietly. You know, they, they bordered on being a playoff contender. I don't think people realize this. They lost a couple of games in a row. There it is. At UCLA and at Arizona State. Just in, in the middle of the year, and then they went on a really, really good run, and they beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Um, they, they were really good this year. So this was a good call. Michael Penix, what, what a season he had. Unbelievable story out there. When you want to look at teams that are sneaking around, we talked earlier in the show about all the the sudden oxygen that's available in the room of the never made the playoff but could make the playoff category. Maybe it's Washington. Because you know USC is going to have a ton of love out there. I'm going to give Oregon a ton of love. I happen to believe in them this upcoming year. Washington, they're, they're willing to buy the pillow and allow you to sleep on them as long as they get to play you in the fall. I know that there are some people out there who are telling you the season ended Monday. I cannot in strong enough terms emphasize we don't wrap the season here. We don't. There are some modifications coming to the show for the better. Um, 
but that's not happening over the next week because we have too much stuff to talk about. So there are, there are two things that you've asked me for a whole lot. One of them is bring back the Late Kick Extra podcast. I'm doing it. It's done. I'll, I'll give you a date in the, in the near future, but we're doing that, so rest easy. That's coming. Uh, number two is the stuff we did with Cole Kubelik, you said you loved it. Now, I know you guys don't like interviews, or at least our numbers say you don't like interviews. So I'm not bringing guests on, unless it's a major head coach, I'm not doing it interview style, but a conversational format where we get a variety of different voices on the show, we got them lined up. I know I told you we were going to do some over Christmas and we did one of them. We deferred those into January and February for a reason. I got some good names lined up for you. We were at the national championship game and um, I, I can't, maybe one day I'll tell you the story of where I watched the national championship game from and more importantly, who I watched the national championship game with. But some of the people that I watched that game with will end up coming on the show. So maybe we'll tell that story down the road. I'll tell you another one. I can't give you names here except Herb Street. I'll give you Herb Street because we're, we're standing near the media elevator before the game's going to kick off. So what happens normally, at least at games where Herb Street and Fowler are calling the game, you know, they'll be on the field and then they get a police escort right to the media elevator and the media elevator is held for them and they go on and they go up and so they just get priority. That's the kind of luxury you get when your company owns the broadcast rights to a game. Well, anyway, a lot of celebrities at the game the other night. And I'm not going to mention this person's name, but there was a pretty high-level celebrity standing at the elevator thinking that they were about to get priority treatment and get the next one. When it goes ding, I'm hopping on, and the rest of you pops can stay over here out of the way until Herb Street came through. And Herb Street's coming. It's like, it's like all of a sudden you hear around the corner, McWay, McWay. A lot of guys with their finger against their earpiece are coming around. I can't remember whether they were wearing black suits or not. Shades were probably worn, even if they didn't just pretend they were. And said celebrity, in no uncertain terms, was told, you're going to scoot over for a second because this elevator's for them. And said celebrity just stood there and watched. May not have even known who Kirk Herb Street was, but watched him go by. I'm sure they got to their suite in plenty of time. I'm sure copious amounts of seafood were consumed and all's well that ends well, unless they were a TCU fan. Really interesting. You see a lot of things at these championship games. We have got a lot of good programming coming up for you. We'll be back live Sunday night. So if you're looking elsewhere because your, your favorite show of choice has abandoned you irresponsibly for the next six months or so, we got you. We got you. And you know what? You may never want to leave when you subscribe here. Pate State, year-round. Year-round. So for producer Jesse, for director Colin, for myself, for our PAs, for everyone, we appreciate it. We're not going anywhere. It's going to be a fun next couple of months and an action-packed next couple of months. Until Sunday night, take care and God bless.